Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. My name is Kevin Tarka. I am the founder of Creation Talent Agency, and I will be releasing a new podcast every single day for an entire year that is specifically designed to share the inevitable challenges of the sports business world and how to overcome them. I'm inviting you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing professional basketball players, traveling the world, and continuously finding ways to battle through the adversity in this competitive industry. The goal is to share as many secrets as I can to help you along your own path to success. Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. Today, we're talking to owner of Power to Win Sports, James Blackburn. And for those who don't know James, his basketball experience is pretty diverse from an NBA internship during college to coaching high school basketball to pro scouting to some color commenting at the PIT to running exposure camps and clinics and now owning his own sports agency. So welcome, James. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Kevin. I've uh, been been a big fan of the podcast and um, listened to several episodes already. So I'm uh, happy to be on. Appreciate today. you, man. So I want to start off with talking about power to win. We've got a bunch of different topics we're going to dig into here on the agent world and, and just the sports world in general. But tell me about that path, because um, yeah, we were talking about before you, you joined you joined the company like at the bottom floor earlier on. So and then you kind of worked your way up, learned the business and earned yourself into actually uh, buying the company yourself and now you own it. So talk about that process and what that was like. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, just going through college, uh, I was a sport management major and, um, always wanted to be an MBA scout, never really thought about the, uh, the agent business much. Um, so like you said, I, I actually interned in the MBA, um, in basketball operations, uh, right after graduating college, um, with the Charlotte Bobcats. And before that I was already involved with you know, doing some uh, semi-pro scouting and, you know, workouts, different things along those nature, along those lines. And, um, you know, after the Bobcats uh, became a high school basketball coach, coached AAU, that just kind of got my foot in the door even more with the coaching world. Um, and then I started doing, you know, a lot more pro stuff. Like I started getting involved with uh, D-League, you know, um, tryouts of the time, uh, started getting to know a few agents, um, you know, did some voluntary, voluntary uh, scouting um, for them. And then, uh, you know, that kind of got me exposed to the agent world a little bit. And then um, Power to Win started, Power to Win Sports started. And um, the gentleman that started it was, you know, he was an entrepreneur that, uh, you know, had some capital and but didn't really have the basketball side and um, brought me in to essentially, you know, run the whole thing. And so it was, I was kind of thrown in, um, to the Wolves that first year and I had a little bit of experience, but not much. Um, so that first year, uh, you know, we ended up having three clients and um, got them all three jobs. I look back at that still to this day and think that was a miracle. Um, and then we, uh, we grew, you know, a little bit by little each year. And, um, you know, we eventually, you know, a few years later had, you know, 20 some clients and, you know, we still had a hundred percent placement rate, which was really high at the time. Um, and then, uh, you know, I ended up buying the company three years ago from him and, um, and, you know, I am where I am now. So it's, uh, it's been an awesome journey, uh, you know, just the growth and the, the networking and, um, you know, going overseas and, and going to events, like you said, the, the PIT and the NBA summer league and just, uh, just, it's a constant grind. And, you know, that's, um, 
you know, I know you're well accustomed to that. So it's, it's, it's cool. I've really enjoyed it. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. And, and so that first year, did you, I want to talk about the, the, the FIBA license a little bit. So did you have your MBA license or your FIBA license or neither in the beginning? And how did you even, cause you said you were kind of thrown into it. So like, how did you, and, and I went through this process myself too, um, with some guidance from, from you, which was great, but how did you just jump into it and just start? So we just, uh, we kind of did it. I mean, like the first year we, we didn't have an MBA or a FIBA license. I mean, I didn't and my boss didn't, it, um, but we were doing like lower level deals and this is, you know, eight, nine years ago, you know? So, um, and, uh, you know, and we, we got them done. We got the agent fee, everything like that. Um, a couple of years later, my boss actually got um, the NBA license. Uh, so we had that. Um, but I, I never did get the FIBA license. And then we, we really started getting a lot of trustworthy partners overseas. So, um, you know, it's you don't have to the, the actual agent that represents the player doesn't have to be a FIBA licensed agent. Um, you know, but you do need a FIBA licensed agent on most deals, you know. Um, so that's what uh, now I've, I've got a really good network of, of international partners that I've been working with for, you know, many years now. Um, you know, a lot of them six plus years and we've done a lot of deals together. So I would say that, you know, at least 50, 60 percent of my deals are done through international partners. And then the ones that I do on my own because of my you know network that I have with coaches, I just bring one of those partners in on the deal anyway. Um, so and, and then, you know, I am licensed with my state. So you could be like each state has um, athlete you know, registration, athlete agent registration. So um, I've been that for, you know, a number of years now, uh, you know, at least four or five plus since the agent in the state of North Carolina. So um, that's, there, there's actually, you know, people talk about the NBA license, the FIBA license, and then there's actually that state license that doesn't get discussed as much. Um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic, actually, because there's a few states that don't even have those rules. Every state's different. Like New Jersey doesn't have the UAA rules. Right. Um, and so like even even up until now, it's like it's very rare that I talk with someone about those rules. Like, you know, so um, it's interesting to see which agents are licensed in their states, which agents have their FIBA license. And I actually I want to get back to that. So a lot of times I, I tell aspiring pros that they need to be when agents are hitting them up, especially from the face from Facebook and, and, you know, social media, make sure you check if they're a licensed agent. Now, I also say it's rare, but you could have someone that is a good person that knows what they're doing. That is essentially an agent without their license, AKA what you do. So how do you stay professional? And um, I guess what's, what's, what's your strategy on that? uh by not having your FIBA license like you've been able to be so successful and there's a lot of people that don't have their FIBA license that you know say they're an agent and say that they go about things a different way but it's pretty sketchy so talk about like the process that you've really um implemented in your business well so I always tell people like you know just because your license doesn't make you legit and just because you're not licensed I mean there's good and bad on both sides obviously right um you know, it's not the hardest thing in the world to get a license. So there's, you know, I mean, you know, as well as I do, there's some Low barrier to entry. Yeah. Yeah. That, that don't do that well. And then there's also some, some really sketchy people, especially, 
you know, on Facebook and stuff, they hit up people and they, you know, have a reputation for stealing guys money or, so I think you really have to look at, you know, a case by case basis. And, you know, there's some of those non, you know, licensed people that are really sketchy. They're like, Hey, pay us 150 bucks and I'll ref you, you know? So like that, of course you stay away from. So I think, you know, a lot of the way I operate is the same as a licensed agent. I mean, you know, I've got the contract, um, you know, I've got my track record, which is, you know, I mean, ultimately the biggest thing that I point to, like, look at all the players that I've helped, look at the places I've sent them, you know, they've gotten their money. Um, you know, I've got a good track record with that of collecting, you know, for my players. So I think it's really that. And then, um, you know, I always come into it with recruiting, like, Hey, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, I tell them off the bat that I'm not licensed. You know, I don't come from a lawyer background or, you know, a, a law background or anything like that. Um, I come from a basketball background and, you know, I happen to have a huge network of coaches and teams. And then um, I've got a background in this. So that's how, how I kind of approach things. Yeah, that's I, I, I love the way that you do that. And, and like I'll tell players a lot, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I mean, there's probably, you know, a couple of wrong ways to do it with some of the sketchiness, you know, but, but it, it, it gets, it get, really comes down to what the player is looking for. Like, do you need someone like, do you, are you looking for an MBA licensed agent? Okay. If that's your dream, then sign with an MBA licensed agent. If you just want a job and you want somebody you trust that has a network, then you go with maybe a, someone like yourself or a smaller agent like myself that might have a network, but don't necessarily have the, you know, the big agency name. So I, I love the way that you do that. And so let's talk a little bit big versus small agency. Like what's, what are some of the challenges that you found as a, let's call it a boutique agent or a smaller agency um, when you're recruiting or just when you're conducting business that some of the bigger agencies might not have to worry about? So, yeah, I mean, um, I would say one of the biggest challenges is, uh, you know, a bigger agency um, usually has a lot more capital, right, to invest. So they're, they're able to kind of lure the athletes in with, hey, we'll, we'll take care of a month or two months of training in the off season. And, you know, we'll put you up in an apartment and we'll, you know, maybe even give you a loan or, you know, all these different things that they could do with just access to more capital, right? Um, that, that me or you or another boutique agency might not be able to do, or if we do it, it might be on a much smaller, you know, scale. Um, I would say that's one of the big things. And then, uh, you know, one of the other things is obviously when you're talking about the mega, you know, agencies that have a lot of pool and leverage because of, you know, superstar clients, they're able to, you know, get an opportunity for, you know, let's say a player into summer league or, you know, maybe into the G league, something like that, where, maybe that player didn't necessarily warrant that, um, but they're able to get him into, or even into a pre-draft workout um, just because of the, that leverage that they have because of a client or two. Right. Um, so I would, I would say that's some of the advantages on, on that end, but then, you know, the advantages for us, of course, is, I mean, you know, we're able to give that player maybe more attention or, you know, really, um, look at his career and like put him into the right spot instead of just putting him into a random job that, you know, without even looking into it, you know, what's the style there? What's, what's it going to do for his future? You know, is it too high of level for him? What I see a lot of times is, you know, a player gets a job, you know, especially overseas because, you know, that, that company has leverage and then that player isn't quite good enough yet for that job. And then he gets cut a month later and then now his career has been derailed 
you know, and then usually that player then goes out and gets a new agent. So there's reasons you see so many changes um, of agencies and it's because you don't see players really finding that right fit, especially early on. And, um, you know, players really need to dive into it and do the research and, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's good big agencies, there's bad big agencies, you know, there's good smaller ones, there's bad smaller ones. And, um, you know, you, you have to really find out, are, do you want to be a big fish, you know, in the small pond or a smaller fish in, in the big pond? And, you know, do you like that intention? Do you, you know, but you can't just be lured in with all these things that they kind of dangle in front of you in that pre-draft stuff, you know, because that stuff ends very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's that's great advice. And, and again, you know, I try to put myself in players shoes and say, okay, well, what would I want? How would I want to be recruited? And that stuff's great. And don't get me wrong. Like if you're, if you're getting recruited by someone and getting lured in by some of that stuff, Hey, you, you might've earned it. So go for it. But just take into consideration that, you know, some of the training stuff and some of like the fancy stuff is it's, it's really short-term gratification, right? So you really need to have someone that's on board for you for long-term. And obviously that's what I've found that, you know, have been the most successful, both in, in some of my client situations and, and watching your guys over the, over the long, long career too. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about exposure camps. Um, we've talked about this at length over the years. I have a love hate relationship with exposure camps. Um, it's, it's a, it's a pretty crazy, let's say sub industry of the basketball world. So we need some expertise from James Blackburn. You guys run some amazing exposure camps. You guys run some training clinics. Um, tell me, tell me what, what is your, what do you think when you hear exposure camps and then maybe a little bit about your exposure camps, uh, and, and how they help players. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it's funny because I, I have the same thing, love, hate relationship. And that's why I, I actually did my own. So, mm -hmm. you know, ever since I got into the business, my first year, you know, I would take the, the trek to Las Vegas and, um, and, you know, I would map out like every exposure camp. And it's funny, like, I bet you it was probably five years ago, maybe was the top year, I think, as far as the most number of camps, I think that was like the peak, you know, and since then it's, it, it's dived off a little bit. Some of the but not as good camps have kind of been pushed out. But I think that year there was, you know, 16 to 20 camps. I mean, it was crazy. And I would go to every one of them and, you know, I would, I would find the same thing. I mean, most of those camps are, you know, there's really nobody there watching the players. Um, you know, there's not real coaches. There's, there's not even agents or anything coming in. And it's just a hustle. Right. Um, and there were a few good ones, you know, and, and me and you know, some of those that were good year after year. So, you know, a few years ago, I, I, uh, I was like, well, I've already got a background in running high school exposure camps. I did that for years um, with a company called Basketball Elite uh, that I did scouting work and stuff like that with. So I said, well, I'm, I know enough people I could do the, the pro side. So I partnered with George Nesman, um, who has, you know, extensive college coaching experience. He, he was the head coach in Division One. Um, at San Jose State, and he's been a 30-year-plus college coach, has a lot of connections himself, and uh, we came up with coast-to-coast -coast, um, international showcases, and uh, now we've, we're going on this year will be year three of those, and, you know, we just wanted to run things, you know, like my agency, just super professional, you know, um, you know, you start off where you're going to pour money into it, you know, make sure the website's legit. It's not just, you know, a Facebook page, you know, um, in, in every camp, we told ourselves we want to get all active pro coaches to be our coaching staff. So every coaching, every camp that we do, 
we have, you know, pro coaches at, you know, from not just the G league and not just, you know, semi-pro, but we always want to have a range. So um, like Oliver camp, we've had, you know, semi-pro coaches all the way up to, you know, BBL Germany coaches, and then everything kind of in between. Um, and then, you know, we make sure that we get uh, really good players in there that, so the players get there and they can um, get good runs. I think that's an important factor. Uh, you know, make sure that everything's organized, things run on time. Um, you know, the players get uh, an education piece at every camp. So they get, you know, they learn more about the market. Um, you know, but ultimately exposure camps, whether it's a, a great exposure camp or a bad one, um, you know, the, the player kind of has to make the camp what, what he makes of it. Like you could be a, it could be a great camp and you could be a good player, but you could go there and not get, you know, everything you could get, you know, if, if you're not going to go around and network yourself, if you're not going to, you know, show up on time, do the right things, you know, the, the basketball, the, the scrimmages that they play in the, in the games, that's just one little tiny part. Everybody thinks that's the main part. That's, that's just a small part. I mean, you know, we always tell guys, Hey, I mean, go around, shake hands with everybody there. Um, you never know who's watching. I mean, literally there could be a guy, you know, sitting at the top row of the bleachers that that might be the most important guy there, you know, and, and um, there's a lot of misconceptions about camps that, Hey, you could come in and they get a contract offer, you know, that day, you know, that, that the only camp I think that happens at is the, is the old KBL Korean camps where they do the draft right afterwards. And I mean, everything else though, it's, it's, you may not see the benefits really for, you know, maybe a few years. Like, I mean, I have stories about, you know, maybe you come to a camp and then, you know, you're, you're not as good as maybe the guy coaching you, but you're good enough maybe to get in at a lower level. And then three years later, you know, you developed a relationship with that coach and he said, Hey, I remember this guy from this camp three years ago and he stayed in touch with me. So now I have a choice between him and five other guys. Well, I'm going to take him because he's the one I know. So, and you, you may, your goal at a camp may not be just to get a job. You may be an unsigned free agent as far as you don't have an agent. Right. So like at my camps, I've actually signed multiple players and I have other agents you know, they're allowed to come to the camps as well. And they've signed players from my camp. I mean, I happened two years ago at Vegas. Um, you know, I had an agent that was there and uh, I had like 75 overseas coaches. Right. And there was a player there that, that didn't get, you know, none of the coaches noticed him, but an agent did and the agent signed him and then he got him a job. So it's like, you know, again, you always have to network yourself at these camps. Um, you know, you have to, come in and you have to be professional. You know, I think that's just the biggest thing, you know, is off the court more so. Uh, yeah, that was a, that, I mean, that was, there was a lot of gems in that, in that explanation. And I, I, you know, I'll tell people that you have to go in with an open mind because, you know, part of the love hate thing is like, yeah, it's, it's great because you get an opportunity. Uh, right. So guys, guys that are going to exposure camps can be a range of different profiles, but you can either sit on the couch and, and wait for that call, or you can go invest in yourself and get that opportunity to show someone and meet someone. But at the same time, you have to humble yourself and not go into it saying, Hey, I'm going to go get signed today because that's unrealistic. Like that is unrealistic. But if you go there saying, Hey, if I can have a chance to bust ass and like play well, meet someone, say hello, meet the person running this camp, meet a few coaches and build some relationships, then it's going to be a success. Then you're going to be, it's going to be good for you. If not, then you're going to have a bad time. So that's great. And then the other thing that I want to double down on that you talked about and why I love your camps is that you have 
actual live coaches, GMs, and scouts that coach the teams, right? So some people will not do that and they'll just invite players and then they'll invite, you know, in quotes, coaches or live scouts or FIBA scouts, which is, we all know is a made up term um, and have them sit in the stands. And it's like, okay, well, you know, what is, what are you getting out of that? If you're a player and you want to find camps that have coaches that you can actually learn from while you're at the camp. Right. And that's why I think you guys do such a great job for that. So um, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. If you haven't checked out some of James camps, I'll I'll put the link to it when I post this podcast, but uh, you you know, you, you need to do your, do your, due diligence and educate yourself on the camps that you're going to, what time of the year they are and uh, who's going there and, and things like that. So um, cool. I also want to, I guess the next topic on outside of exposure camps on how to differentiate yourself as a player. Like my question for you is what are, what are some other things that players can do to differentiate themselves? And maybe you can talk a little bit about one thing that you've been involved with, with the tour to Romania um, I know that's another love-hate relationship too with international tours, but t- talk about talk about your experience with that and maybe some other things players can do to differentiate themselves. Yes, I'll make it quick. Um, I mean, I think one thing besides the tours is just, you know, having a professional resume instead of just sending out emails that, you know, has like a big long paragraph with, you know, not proper punctuation and no links or anything like that, which we've all gotten, but just having like a quick you know, pro resume, you know, ready to send out that has, you know, real deep, you know, detailed, but like quick, clean, um, to the point with a highlight tape, a couple of full game films and, you know, some stats, right. Um, So that, you know, that I think that alone uh, sets you apart, you know, it seems simple and uh, something that everybody would do, but it's not the, the, um, it's the minority of people do that. So that's just one thing off the, off the bat. And then, you know, uh, international tours is another thing that the players could do, um, you know, instead of necessarily playing in front of the coach in America, you're playing in front or you're playing against the pro team. And the, and the key to those is I think the timing of the tours. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, there are some good tours to go over before the season, um, like in August, you know, stuff like that. And, and a friend of mine, uh, Joe Denda actually um, runs a tour uh, through overseas basketball camps and um, I've coached it now a few years in a row and it goes to Romania and it would take place um, on the in the FIBA break window in February right and um, you know that tour actually had several people that were signed not for the current season but for the following season yep. so just but you you have to go into it knowing that and then I know there were some good ones that went out to Australia um, a few years in a row that would uh go to the state leagues in Australia. And those were really beneficial because those leagues would take, you know, a couple of Americans per team, but one of the biggest costs to them was the flight from America to Australia. I mean, that would cost over $2,000 sometimes. So by those players getting there to Australia, a lot of those guys would actually stay, you know? So just again, like doing your research, looking at the track records, you know, um, you know, it's, it's all the same. I mean, the more research you could do when looking for an agent, when looking for a tour, when looking for a camp, uh, I just don't think people do enough research. I mean, you know, it amazes me all the time. I know they don't do it because we have a website with Coast to Coast and people ask questions all the time. And it's like, it's right there on the website. So, um, you know, again, it sounds simple, but uh, it's it's an easy thing to do and it, and it reaps a lot of benefits. Yeah, and, and again, just to touch on that, like you said it, you know, it's, it's about investing in yourself. So, you know, if you're complaining that you don't have a job or you're complaining about not getting an opportunity, well, 
are you willing to fly yourself overseas? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you, you know, are you willing to pay $2,000 to get yourself over to Australia to give yourself that chance? For most people, that answer is no. And that is the reason why you're sitting at home, right? So it's, again, it's a love-hate relationship. There's, there's, not, uh, there's not a right way to do it. There's not a formula, but you're going to have to take a certain amount of risks and invest in yourself. So um, I know we, we've been going back and forth on a bunch of different topics here. Hopefully people are taking some notes, but one more question for you. So any last kind of aspiring, or I'm sorry, advice to aspiring to, advice for aspiring pros uh, that might either be at the high school level or college level now that are looking to get their first contract? Yeah, so I mean, for high school players, I mean, if that's something you want to do, don't just say I have to go to Division One, you know, because you're gonna have a better chance of going D two and putting up big numbers than going, you know, D one and never hardly playing. Um, so, and then if you're in college, you know, really, you you have to do a lot. Um, I would start doing my research, you know, on different countries, and and that way you get to your senior year and you know. Um, you know, a lot more than other people. Uh, but then also like just working on your game, like a ton in the summers, um, you know, in the off season, because ultimately it comes down to what your numbers are in college. And, you know, and it's the same thing in the pros, like you always usually get your next job off of what you did the year before, you know? So like, you know, you can have an awesome, or you can have like a poor senior year and then have like an unbelievable summer where you like got a lot better but, you know, people don't really care about that. They care about what you did in your last job. So, um, you know, you, you then would have to be willing to take maybe a lower job or, you know, a job here in the States, maybe in the semi-pros or something to prove your worth. Um, so, but, uh, you know, I would just say, like, be willing to, you know, put in that little bit extra effort, like you said, maybe, you know, going to a, um, a, a camp or paying to get overseas or just like, the simple things about like put in the time to come up with a good resume or like getting a really good highlight or um, going on eurobasket.com and like doing the research and finding the contacts yourself. Like those little things that, you know, me and you tell players all the time, but again, it kind of, you know, players hear it and say, Oh yeah, that sounds good. But then how many people actually do it? So. Mm -hmm. That's great. Actually, you made, you made me think of one more question while you're talking about that. Um, in regards to overseas, uh, you know, a lot of players will say, yeah, I want to go to Barcelona. I want to go to Rome. I want to go to, you know, maybe even Istanbul. It's an amazing city. Well, that's not the reality for most people. So are there any, are there any countries in particular or leagues in particular that you've sent some guys to that might not be sexy places that you would recommend looking into for kind of entry-level jobs? Yeah. So like um, places like Ireland, uh, Malta, you know, second division UK, uh, EBA, which is Spain, which is fourth league Spain, um, second division Lithuania. I mean, when they go on Eurobasket, you know, there's tons of countries listed, but there's usually different levels in those countries. And again, you know, you're not going to start off. Most people aren't starting off in those in those top leagues, you know, Germany, Spain, you know, places like that. So um, being able to, I mean, Germany, Regionalia is another one, uh, the fourth league in Germany. And, um, and, you know, this year, those are kind of been some of the challenges with COVID is a lot of those entry-level spots have either been canceled or just, you know, they're not taken in for it. So this year's, you know, of course, a lot different for hopefully next year, those jobs will be back. And um, those are great spots to look at to get your foot in the door. Great, great spots, great advice. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Right before we uh, sign off here, I got something I call the sports business lightning round. I'm going to fire some questions at you and you got to give me the first thing that comes to your mind. 
Okay. All right, here we go. Favorite color? Red. Most points you've ever scored in a game in your life? 25 in a men's league game. <laughs> Let's go. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. MJ or LeBron? Oh, that's easy. MJ. Coolest city in the world that you've been to? Ooh, um, I've been to a lot of cool ones. Uh, I loved Bilbao, Spain. Nice. What is your biggest strength? Uh, my communication with people, networking. What's something that you're really bad at? Drawing. <laughs> I've gotten that answer a couple of times. That's fun. That's, that's a good one. Who are three people that have helped you tremendously in your life? Oh man, that's, that's a, a good one. Uh, I would say one of the biggest one professionally is probably Marcus Shockley, um, who owns Basketball Elite. And he's the one that first gave me my start, um, like probably 15 years ago now, like doing scouting work and, and really, you know, working for him, just helped my network really grow. Um, and then uh, it sounds crazy, but my mom, she's always been there, at, you know, to support me, even when I wasn't really making any money doing what I love to do. Um, and then, you know, the third one, it's, it, that one's tough. I mean, there's just been a lot of people, I mean, here along the way with different, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out, but just, yeah. the, you know, a lot of friends in the business and just people that helped you at different times, you know. Awesome. What was your first ever job? Uh, I think it was a soccer referee, youth soccer referee when I was, like 14 years old nice if you could have a superpower what would it be uh to like i guess go anywhere i mean i don't know flying or just um like be able to snap my fingers and just be somewhere else if you could trade jobs with any single person in any industry for one week who would it be uh elon musk nice and last one here uh if you could turn back time and talk to 18 year old james what would you tell him uh, I would just tell him like to get involved, you know, I, I thought I did a lot, you know, early on as far as volunteering, but just even do more of that, like talking to more people, um, you know, volunteering and, and even if you're not getting paid, but just do more in basketball even earlier on and, and take better notes. <laughs> Love it. Great insight. Great advice, man. Appreciate you coming on. Hope everyone was listening. I'll post a link to uh, some of your events and your company and uh yeah hopefully we'll, we'll be back in uh, in a gym here soon man oh yeah appreciate it kevin thanks a lot thank you so much for listening today if you enjoyed this episode it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on apple podcasts and if you're feeling really crazy you can even share it on social media as always, if there's a topic you want me to talk about further or a guest you would love to hear on the podcast, just shoot me a message on social media at Kevin Tarka. Thanks again, and I'll see you here tomorrow morning on Sports Business Secrets.